Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. You're listening to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 46. Just a reminder, you can find all my shows and notes at callthatgirl.biz slash office365 or at callthatgirl.podbean.com. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash callthatgirl. All right, folks, before we get going, I always have to take a minute and thank our sponsors for the show, App River. Uh, more about what I love about them is that they are uh, down in Florida, and they're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I love having them as backup and in one of my jobs coming up today, I'm going to talk about how they saved my butt in a uh, DNS issue with a Dutch domain. This is why I love working with these guys, because if I didn't have them to help me, I mean, I'm not saying that it's their work to do that, but you know what? They always go outside of the boundaries, I think, of tech support to make sure you get the job done. And I love that about them. So it's nice to have someone to rely on. So if you are looking for a new partner for your Office 365 sales or to resell, uh, I happen to use them as a partner. So my clients actually can call them. And that's what I love for my backup if I'm out and I can't be available to do all the work for my clients with the accounts and whatnot with the Office 365. You can talk to my rep, Steve Harris, at sharris at appriver.com if you want to discuss how they can help you in your business. Okay, and got a few announcements this week. Uh, just a reminder also that we do have the two Facebook groups. The one is the IT Business Owners Facebook group you can join and my Office 365 group, which right now we're at about 100 people. So I think we're at 101 actually. And, uh, you know, the conversations are slow going in there, but they're really good conversations. I find that they're all focused about Office 365, so feel free to join up. Say hello when you join so we all know that you're there. All right, some of the announcements I have coming up here, and uh, the show this week is just all about just, uh, of course, my usual outlook crises <laughs> I have in the, the fun jobs, but Matt Rodella... Uh, and I are putting together a project. It's a video training module project, I'm going to call it. Basically what I've done in the past year or almost two years now is I have niched out of just general tech support and just kind of only done Outlook and Office 365. Matt Rodella kind of did the same thing. He had a computer repair business, and now he's only doing websites and the tech site builder. The tech site builder is a website... um, is a website. Well, it's actually a website, but once you buy into it, uh, he helps you with the the website, the SEO, getting up your, you know, your services page, and it's kind of like you buy into it. And Matt is the back end and helps you and keeps it updated and all that stuff. It's really nice for techs. But so anyway, Matt niched out of computer repair. I niched out of computer repair, and and so now we're putting together a project that we're offering a ten classes on kind of everything of what we did to get out of tech support and into our niche work. And with that, we have invited, right now I think we have six guests who are going to be on, six other people like us that used to do computer repair who have niched out into other things. Uh, One is we have Troy from Repair Shopper. 
He'll be on the show, one of the modules anyway. We have Marcin from Malware Bytes, and of course, everybody knows who he is. <laughs> He's the founder, and he started his business just doing virus removals for everybody, and now he created a product that we all use around the world. He'll be on the show. Uh, Fabs from Fabs Auto Backup will be on. We have Ken Dwight, the virus doctor, and Luke Coffey from Data Recovery Services. I believe that's his name. He used to do tech support. Now he does only data recovery for hard drive recovery. And there is a sixth person, and I'm probably forgetting them. Let me go get it before I forget. I want to give everybody the, the props here on the show. Um, da, 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 da. And Dave David Sims. He's the founder of HIPAA for MSPs. So if you are interested in getting out of just tech support, this might be a training you want to take because there's a lot of things that you have to do to kind of get out of one thing but still stay in our industry and still retain clients. That's the important thing. And I have done that and so have others. So I know a lot of you are listening to my show on your podcast, on your phone, or through your feed or what, rather. Um, to make it easier, if you want to get on the waiting list, you can shoot me an email on your phone, uh, lisa at callthatgirl, just, uh, excuse me, callthatgirl.biz, put in the subject line um, waiting list, and I'll make sure to send you the form then for you to do it on your computer or your phone, whatever. And to make it easier for you folks, because I know a lot of people are not on their computers when they're listening to this show. Okay, so Matt and I are launching the project on March 26th. It'll run for five weeks through mid-June or so, and then we're going to take a little three-week break and then come back and finish up before school starts. So consider this summer school, and we're pricing it out affordably so everybody can you know, at least take the classes and learn. And even if you don't want to niche out, we think there's going to be a lot of value in this show or show this this training that you're going to learn a lot either way. And it is hands on and we do plan on having homework. So you have homework to do in between to make sure that you engage in it and you get your money's worth out of the classes. OK, so just remember, you can email me on your phones. Lisa, call that girl that biz. And uh, so far, we have over 100 people from a newsletter list that have signed up. So there's definitely interest and we're definitely excited about it. Now, on another exciting announcement here, I don't know if any of you are Ink Master fans of the show Ink Master, but I've been watching it for not every season religiously, but I've been watching it for many years. And uh, this season, because I'm in Vegas, there's a few guys on the show that are in Vegas, Sausage, Joey, and Christian. And uh, so I was like, what the hell? I'm just going to see if I can get booked with Christian, you know. <laughs> I'd like to get attacked by one of the guys there. So I went down there and I walked in and I scheduled a consult appointment. And you know what was so cool is the day I just walked in there, Joey, Sausage, Christian, and Anthony were all tattooing people. I was like, oh, my God, I just walked in. I had no idea. And it was pretty neat just to... Uh, walk in and they were all there. And I guess I was a little starstruck. So anyway, I booked the consult and that was for a few days later. And I came back in for the consult and Joey and sausage were there tattooing. And so was Christian again. So these guys really are like living, working tattoo guys, like not just famous and on TV, uh, talked to Christian for a few minutes, showed him what I wanted done. I'm going to get my arm. I have an arm piece right now, and it's just really kind of delicate, little ornate, little uh, 
thing. Anyway, I'm going to get that extended up my arm and have some more bling put on, Vegas it up a little bit, and I wouldn't call it the sleeve by any means, but it's going to have like a, well, a lot of pretty decoratives on it, I'll call it. So I have him booked for May 19th, and so I've been uh, watching them on Facebook, and I'll put up my pictures when I get the tat done. Pretty excited, to be honest with you. I've never, um, I haven't had a tattoo worked on in a long time. And I was like, oh, I, I like those guys. So I might as well get it done by them. So that's my little claim to fame this week. And um, interestingly, I did have a guy who I think was listening to the show. And he wants to get into the computer repair business. And he asked me if I had franchise opportunities. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't think Call That Girl is franchisable. That's the word. But, you know, I know that I, I was very, um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? I was happy he said that. But, you know, the thing is, is that anybody can start their own business with good branding out there and, and good name recognition. And uh, so if you are interested in buying, I have a little ebook I do sell. It's called a Call That Girl's Guide to Starting a Computer Repair Business. I have that book for sale in my six ebooks uh, that I sell on my website, callthatgirl.biz slash publications. All six are 49 bucks. It's a pretty good deal. But um, I just, maybe I, the word I was looking for was I felt complimented that he even asked me that. And, and it was just kind of neat. But um, I also got a couple people that emailed me some thank yous from the show. So if you have any feedback, please send it along, folks. Sometimes I don't know if I'm giving out the right info or not enough info, and I appreciate any feedback. You can reach me at least at callthatgirl.biz. All right. Now, these last two weeks, I, got, I don't want to say they sucked because they didn't suck, but let's put it this way. When you sell prepaid tickets every blue moon, all you get are prepaid clients, and you wonder, is this how it's going to be? <laughs> the panic comes in. I sell a lot of prepaid tickets and normally my ebb and flow with the, Oh, sorry about the noise. The ebb and flow of my prepay and my regular clients is usually really nicely uh, balanced. But two weeks ago, I think every job I had was a prepay client. So I had no money coming in and I'm not saying that bothered me because I love being busy no matter what. But I was like, man, this week was slow. And then at the end of the week, I booked a 85 mailbox migration, which I'm going to do with Rob again. And um, Rob, who I've talked about on the show, but we're not going to do all 85 in the manual way. We're going to use migration whiz for about 75 of the mailboxes and do 10 with what I call the VIP level. So they get the fine tuning, the perfection and all that. So that was like the highlight of my week last week. Um, the owner was on Gmail and they really just get an enormous amount of email. They're all look constantly as stuck and snags and I've done everything I can to relieve them of, you know, the IMAP issues, which by the way, we're going to talk about later in the show. But you know, I was like, look, it's going to cost you a few grand to get all these mailboxes migrated over to exchange, but then you're going to be on exchange, which works with all your phones real well no more Google apps and be done with it all. And he was like sold. I said, Hey, everybody has to have the one price or the one time migration fee to get it done no matter what. And so that to me was an easy sell. But then this week, and today's actually April 24th. Uh, this week 
again was more prepay people. And I started to panic like, oh my God, do I have un- do I have too many prepay client tickets? And I actually feel I do not. It was just one of those things that the universe was just, I think, handing to me. Because I know I talk about prepays all the time, but I have, like I said, a good balance. So I was a little worried. But, you know, they weren't the, the most exciting two weeks. But uh, I did have a few jobs that were kind of, and I was pretty proud of myself with the one I did. I got an iTunes call. Oh, my God. I never know what I'm going to take sometimes. So the guy put in a request for uh, my, my Outlook won't sync with my phone. That was the request. And when people say things like that, I'm kind of like, okay, I have no idea what they're syncing it with. They're using Outlook.com. They're using G-Sync it. They're using third-party app. And for this fella, of course, he's using what I don't like is iTunes. So I remote in, and I'm like, okay. Well, first of all, he's got Windows 10. Now, Windows 10 is really getting to be problematic for me. Um, with lots of things and I should probably have a show on windows 10 because I've already have enough things on it. But so anyway, he said that it hasn't synchronized since he got windows 10 and I was like, okay, well, let's try to figure it out. Well, first of all, the iTunes didn't seem right. And normally when you plug in a phone, okay. And it has iTunes. It usually pops up iTunes and starts to synchronize. The little phone shows up in the upper left. And then you can click on it and drop down and you can see all the info. That's typically how it's supposed to be. iTunes is, talks to the iPhone, okay? His wasn't doing that. And I was like, well, that's weird. So I tried all these things. And then I looked in his uh, in File Explorer and saw, I was like, man, when you plug in your phone, it looks weird here. And he was like, yeah, it does, doesn't it? And I was like, now let me go see if I can see how it looks on my computer right now. Anyway, it said Apple device, which I don't recall the Apple device looking like that. So then I was like, oh, man, oh, man, is this going to make is this guy going to make me dig out my old school tech troubleshooting? Because I think we're going down that path. And sometimes I get nervous because I don't troubleshoot Windows anymore. Like, this, you know, during during my workday for me to keep up with everything. I was like, okay, let's go look. So I looked in the, um, the, I'm going to sound silly even saying this. I looked in the device manager. I'm going to go follow along right now to make sure I even say this all correctly. I don't have to do this all that much. Okay. So I looked in the device manager and his phone actually came up as a, uh, what did it come up as? It came up as a weird device. Let's put it that way. So then I was like, all right, I think it was in the USB controllers as a funky device. It wasn't normal. And I was like, okay, there's something still wrong here with this. And so then I was wondering, God, I wonder if it's a driver issue. Now, I don't know a lot about drivers anymore, but I was like, let's just see. So we went in and tried to do something with the drivers. It would not update correctly. So I had them reboot, plug the phone in and I went and looked for new devices and it actually installed a driver that was for the iPhone and it worked. And then all of a sudden we launched iTunes and the phone showed up and I was like, Oh my God, it's happening. <laughs> I can't believe I did this. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm laughing because I, I just had to take the troubleshooting down to that level, which I never do. 
but I was very happy with the job. And then me and the client actually got everything synced up. And just to let you know that the Outlook syncing is in the info button in iTunes now. Got it all done, but it was exactly an hour job too, by the way. Exactly an hour job. So I think what happened is the Windows 10 just didn't know how to uh, read the device because it wasn't doing anything. It wouldn't let us do nothing at all. But uh, it was in the device manager settings where I messed around with all that and got it. So yay for me. That was a great job. All right, and then I think this last week I took, I think, three different Gmail jobs that were all IMAP related and all of them were in Outlook and all of them had a lot of mail. And um, just to kind of cut this into one big story is, you know, when you're doing Gmail and Outlook with IMAP, I've talked about this before, that there's a lot of folders that can hold a lot of mail. The all mail, the important, sent, and trash. Now, one thing that people don't understand is that you can go into your Gmail settings on the browser and I better go log in to make sure I tell you guys the correct, what the settings are there. Hold on. Okay, so here's what, well, before we go into the settings part, you can actually go into Outlook. And what happens is a lot of people say that their inbox doesn't work, it's corrupted, their folders are all funky. And uh, so what I do is my pre-op spot check. I go look at the mail and the properties. I go look at the mailbox size, then I compare it to the Gmail on the browser. So the Gmail browser size is at the bottom, okay? And when you click on the manage button, you can actually go and see how much the mail is compared to the whole uh, Google Drive, which some people have data on the drive. Okay, so anyway, these three jobs actually were almost the exact same. So they had too much mail. And I told the people, I said, if you don't want all of that in your Outlook, we have to go fix it. And normally what I do is I try to move off all the email from Outlook as much as I can and put it to a local PST file. But for some strange reason, it didn't do it this time. So I was like, now let's go to the Gmail browser and just shut it off. So here's what we do. You go to the, your little settings button, go to settings in the Gmail, go to labels. Okay. Now in here, you're going to see that the inbox by default has to be on an IMAP. And then you've got all the sub labels, start, important, chat, sent mail, drafts, all that. I recommend hiding everything that the client doesn't want to see. And a lot of times they have a lot more data than they think, more folders. You can actually hit the hide button and then uncheck show an IMAP. Then what I recommend is you hit the save button in there, go back to Outlook, and if you can test a new profile first, go get a good IMAP fresh download. And the nice thing is, is that if you have all these shut off it, you don't have to do anything else in Outlook then it only will download what is showing. Um, a lot of times these people have corrupted their, their profiles are so corrupted that it's just a mess and to clean it all up can take a few hours. It really can. Cause you got to move mail and do all this stuff. So if you go in and turn off all these things, then get a fresh profile, then let it download, should be in good shape. But you got to remember that it takes hours sometimes to download this email. And you also have to clear all the filters if there's a filter on there. <laughs> so you have to take off the filter and then click on every single folder and then just let it download. And sometimes my clients get too... Um, 
too quick and they don't want to start testing things, making sure it works. And I tell them when it's done, the send receive will be finished. So let that just happen. Okay. So to recap again, the Gmail outlook problems is people have too much mail that's coming in. It gets confused. The folders aren't syncing and you can try taking the email out of that profile and put to a local PST. But a lot of times it's just easier to go into the Gmail settings Shut off everything you don't need, new profile it, set it up, and then if you need to remove mail after that, so you got a fresh download, it should work. So there you go, folks. Now, I had three of those last week, and it, it could get real tough. Both, uh, I think all three were one and a half to three hour jobs. It was pretty hardy. Pretty hardy. Um, interestingly, Last, I think it was last week also, I got a call from a lady in Amsterdam and she uh, had seen one of my YouTube videos and watching one got her to watching one about exchange. And so she sent me a request. We did a Skype meeting and I just did her migration last Thursday and I did everything with Skype with her and remoted in. And did all the backup. And this is when I was talking about earlier is I was having a problem with the uh, Dutch domain. So I couldn't understand the, the control panel. So I had my Google translator out the whole time. It was pretty cool. I mean, DNS settings globally are pretty much the same, but the words all are different. But I was having a problem with um, updating one. And it's, this happens with you know, any, any DNS, uh, sometimes you have to add a period to the end or you got to leave the host name out, whatever. That's when App River came in and saved the day for me because let me tell you that I was like, is it because I don't understand the Dutch words? Am I doing something wrong? And I was like, no. And it was just a funky setting. But, uh, anyway, that was a YouTube job that kind of got me excited about doing more YouTube. You know, I mean, it was a $350 job from free marketing off YouTube, you know, I definitely think that it's uh, definitely worth uh, doing some YouTube videos, folks, if you can. And, you know, if you're local, try to add in your city state there because people will Google it and it'll come up for you or they Google it, whatever. Okay, so that was an interesting job. Let's see what else I got here. Uh, I had my first successful SharePoint sync ever. Oh, my God. It was like a miracle. <laughs> And I was really scared about taking this job, but I'm really happy I did. The client called and said, yeah, we want some Office 365 training. And I was like, oh, sure, no problem. Thinking it'd be Exchange, right? No, not Exchange. The What happened is they all of their employees are doing um, OneDrive and SharePoint on the web, but one of their employees didn't like it. She wanted to have it on her desktop. And I was like, oh, that's what they want. They didn't want just training. They wanted technical setup configuration and then training. I was like, okay, I'm just going to tell you folks that in the few years I've been doing this, I haven't had a successful sync and I'm willing to try it, but I cannot guarantee. And they were like, do your best. <laughs> I was like, okay, I will do my best. So I did the right thing. I remoted in and of the online SharePoint. I looked at the online OneDrive. It was a big mess, of course, as usual. I couldn't understand what what the client's OneDrive was versus there was OneDrive and OneDrive for Business and SharePoint, by the way, three. So I was like, okay, so let's get out my thinking cap here. 
turns out that she only wanted to have one folder synced on her computer. Thank God. It was a SharePoint directory, and it was just with the owner. So I was like, okay. So it was a SharePoint team site too, by the way. So I know from my mapping of the Windows SharePoint video I made a few years ago, I know that you have to have some of the um, settings set up correctly in, in Internet Explorer, and you can only use Internet Explorer. You cannot use Chrome or Firefox for this, folks. So I'm going to put the link in for the show of my video so you can see it because you have to do the trust settings first, no matter what. You should also have SharePoint always be logged in. So anyway, the video explains it. So anyway, I did the, the video part first. Then I went into the SharePoint, the library, and I clicked on the button Show in Explorer, and it popped up. So I was like, yay, but that's not syncing. That's just showing those files in Explorer, okay? And then I decided to hit that sync button. And just to let you know that before I did that, I'd actually tried it in the OneDrive and OneDrive for Business too. I didn't really want to go into that, but those did not work. The files were not there. So I went to the SharePoint sync button and oh my God, you guys are not gonna believe this. It freaking synced. And I was like, oh my God, it actually for once had the SharePoint words next to it. It didn't say OneDrive or any of that hijacking junk. It said SharePoint and I started seeing files come in and I was like, oh my God, it can happen. Is this really gonna freaking happen? Is this actually gonna synchronize? But I couldn't do anything yet because there was 3,500 files. Okay. So I told the lady, I said, here's what we got to do. Keep your computer on all night. Let's let all these files get downloaded. And then tomorrow we will work on testing, creating, deleting before we train you. And I, I shit you not, you guys, I call her the next day and I remote in and every single file except for one, of course, was that last one, of course, wasn't synchronized. But it was synced up. The folders were there. I said, look, this looks beautiful to me. I really just couldn't even, I, I was just baffled how this happened. I said, now you need to go do those three things. Go test adding a new file. Go, go test editing one and then deleting. And then you check with the boss lady. And once you guys can know that you can create, edit, and delete, then I think we'll move on to training. And honestly, she called me back 20 minutes later and she goes, yeah, I think we're done. <laughs> I don't think I need training. I understand this. She goes, this is all I needed. I'm like, oh my God, it was actually perfect. And I, I, I'm really nervous now about going to promote that I know SharePoint again with this because I'm, I'm worried, but I'm not going to say no to a job if it turned out to be like this. I mean, it was nice. But the, the clients just didn't know how to do the configuring part to get it to work. And, and she said, I keep hitting that explore button, but nothing would happen. And I said, because it's not a synchronizing tool. You're just viewing the files in Explorer, which there's really no point in that if you can't sync it, right? Anyway, so that was really happy. That was a great job. And it worked out well. And I'll put up that video link in the notes. Because it's how to map how to map uh, SharePoint Windows is something you got to do before you hit that sync button anyway for the trusted site stuff. So then I had a guy who called in for, you know, some help. And a lot of times what I do is I, you know, will, uh, well, what I used to do was I'd let people talk for 15 minutes and 
they they will. <laughs> and then if I tell them my prices at the end, it's sometimes um, a little too high for them and they decide not to book me. So now since I raise my rates, I'm trying to think of how to start off the conversation before they start telling me their problems to say, well, here's, you know, my rates and stuff like that. But it's getting challenging and I, I really have to focus on that because I don't like wasting people's time if I'm too expensive. But this guy snuck in a call and he actually snuck in, got me troubleshooting, which I really hate that. I don't like troubleshooting without anything. And of course, um, I think cause he just was so just chatty and got into it. And he was telling me about this iPhone problem about him not syncing and stuff wasn't working. And I, what do I do? I go, Oh, well, why don't you just, re just remove that exchange account from the phone and re-add it back in? I don't know why I'm doing that. I no normally never tell people how to do stuff in a consult. So then, of course, he does it. And then we're eight minutes into it, and he's like, it ain't working. And I'm like, now he's getting pissed at me. I'm like, look, buddy, we're in a consult right now. I'm like, so I said, you know what we need to do? We need to slow this down a minute. Okay, I said, normally... I don't even talk to clients about fixing things. This is a like an initial phone call. We book an appointment. I have you fill out my agreement form. I get your, you know, your hourly payment, and we actually troubleshoot this properly. I go, this isn't going the right way. He was like, well, how much are you? And I go, I'm one sixty nine an hour. And he goes, oh, just to do this. I was like, okay, I, I don't know how this even happened. And I was like, you know what? This is my free advice. Is on, you know, remove that exchange account, reboot the phone, add it back again. And then if we have to troubleshoot, call me back. And I never heard from him again. And this just kills me when I do this, because this reminds me of how I used to get sucked into doing free tech support for an hour with people. And then be at the end, I got to bill you. And I don't do that anymore. Period. Learn my lesson. But I feel like I got snaked into that. But then interestingly, <clears throat> I read this article that somebody in the Facebook put out the Facebook group. It is an um, interesting story about a prostitute in Las Vegas that this, maybe I saw it on LinkedIn actually. Um, it's a story. It's called three lessons about setting your price learned from a Las Vegas prostitute, which I thought was a very interesting title, like bait clips that you see on Facebook. But I was like, you know what? This one I actually want to read because I live here and I do have problems with my pricing. And in this story, which I'll put this in the, show notes too, is she makes a comment about <laughs> how to deal with people that think you're too expensive. And I was like, you're right. I love this reply. And I'm going to go find it real quick here. And, um, God, now I feel silly. I can't find it. But anyway, she, they, she has a comment on how to deal with people who think you're too expensive. And her reply, which of course I can't find it now is, um, well, if I'm too expensive for you, let me give you a list of other people that are more in your budget, kind of something like that. And I think that's what I'm going to start saying to people when they say I'm too expensive is, oh, well, I might not be able to help you, but I know of other people who can, and they're like, you know, less than I am. And that's what puts you at the level you're at when you're selling your stuff like expert level or because you're too high priced for people. And it's not that you want to give your competition um, the, the work, but you're putting them on the spot to be like, wow, well, you're this and they're that. So you're probably worth it if I'm looking for you because that's what the people are calling me for. I haven't tried it yet. Like I said, this week was funky, but I'm going to try to work on that because I thought that was a really interesting comment on how to tell people when you're too expensive and uh, to be like, well, I have other people who are cheaper. 
I went on Facebook and I actually asked in a poll, how much are your remote support rates? Because I really want to have a, a competition or not a competition. Uh, not a competition. I want to actually have something that I can tell my clients. Well, the average remote support tech is $101 an hour. So you can go to them and they're not outlook experts. So you're going to pay them $101 an hour. And if they can't fix it because they don't know it like I do, you could be with them for one, two, three hours. And this might be something I fix in an hour. So that's how I'm trying to, you know, judge uh, my pricing for people and how to explain to them and get over that barrier that I'm too expensive because I haven't really had that many people say that, but I'm going to be getting it because eventually one day I want to be over $200 an hour. <laughs> so you got to really know how to do that. <laughs> okay. Um, I also had finally had a successful need for a technician with a client. I've talked about this a couple shows ago. It was the big, huge 15 gig PST file. I could not get off a computer. Oh my God. I wanted to strangle outlook. I was like, what are you doing to me? You're choking me, man. I was getting so frustrated. No matter what I did to this file, nothing. I could not get it off the hard drive. It was the file was corrupted to no end. I think the client's hard drive was corrupted to no end. So anyway, I put out a thing on technable and said, is there any text in this area? And this gal, lovely gal said, yes, I'm close by. Let me help. And so her and I got to work on this project together I was so thankful because uh, it's just me. I don't have anybody, you know? So when I need to reach out to the community to find someone local, I just always feel like I want to trust my own sources first, you know? I mean, I have called some tech repair shops, but I don't think the techs like working with me when I'm a pure stranger for some reason. I don't know. Anyway, shout out to Leslie. Great job, woman. We took care of this, and she helped me get the file that was 15 gigs off that freaking hard drive into a flash drive, zipped and compressed down to 6.5 gigs of good data. Good job. Now, that client also had Outlook 2010. And I'm just letting you folks know that 2010 to me used to be my favorite Outlook version of all time, and it is no longer my favorite. I think I'm going to start calling it that I have to have people upgrade because Outlook 2010 is just getting to be sticky, man. It is starting to show its age, and it's starting to, you know, starting to hurt people. It's not good. There's too much mail. There's too many problems, too many add-in problems. So I think I'm going to start having people start upgrading um, in, before I fix it sometimes even. But that's funny is because I had a client that <laughs> she was on 2010, and because I was really, really kind of worried, uh, I said, well, look, let's go and purchase your Office 365 but I gave the heads up that if there's a problem. You have to contact Microsoft. And lo and behold, of course, there was a freaking problem. Uh, we purchased uh, the business office 365, which put her into a, a domain exchange thing. And I was like, oh, my God, I wasn't supposed to do this. I was just supposed to get the software. I couldn't find the software in it anywhere. So I was like, what am I supposed to do here? And we were going into 20 minutes of looking for the software, which should have been there, but it wasn't. And. Microsoft changes their control panel all the time. So it's really hard for me to go hunt and peck for stuff I need. And so anyway, we ended up buying the wrong thing, but then she called Microsoft and here's what they told her. They, she owns a business. She owns a business and they said, Oh, you should have bought the home version. So now I actually have it verified that Microsoft doesn't give a crap what you buy as long as you just buy it in general. 
the, she was like, oh, so I ended up buying the wrong product. They said yes. She was showing a business. She should be buying the home version. So she did. They they took away her her free trial she got with the business version, took all that away, and then get this. They actually installed her version for her, troubleshooted the problems she had with me, and configured all of her emails for her. I'm like, what? So when she calls me the next day, she's like, so Lisa, let me tell you about my call with Microsoft yesterday. And I was expected to hear, you know, big horror story. I don't know. She goes, well, they actually remoted in and they spent three hours with me getting all this done. And I was like, Ooh, that really hurts thinking. Right. But it was three hours for free and she got most of her stuff fixed. So then I was like, do I feel screwed on this or no? And I was like, no, I don't feel screwed actually because my guilt, I would never have been able to bill for three hours of all that drama that person did. I just have this thing in me where if there's a software problem, I just tend to be more lenient with the bill on that. So I'd already been with her pre Microsoft as with her on the phone, 40 minutes. Okay. Or something like that. Then she called Microsoft for three hours. Then she called me the next day and we spent 15 minutes on the phone talking about the next steps because even though Microsoft set up her IMAPs for her perfectly and all that stuff, she still had a huge Gmail problem. She had 27 gigs up on the server that they were, it was trying to download right now. And I said to her, look, you are going to have big problems eventually. And so we started talking about it and her biggest concern was backing up. I said, well, free Gmail doesn't have really a backup program. I mean, you have it on the server and on the browser, but it's not really backing up. If you go clear it off, it's uh, the IMAP in 2013 and 16 saves email as an OST file. I was trying to explain it to her. And you know what? We actually figured out after all this in the third appointment that she only had three and a half gigs of email. The rest were on her Google Drive. So I was like, oh, thank God we don't have to deal with that. So when we finally got our email downloaded. We uh, cleaned it up, fine-tuned Outlook. It turned out to be a solid two-hour job. And it was two hours on the nose. And even though Microsoft did three, so it was a five-hour job for her. That's what it would have been. And I told her, I said, you know, I'm glad that you had the Microsoft people do that because you bought their product for 100 bucks And... Look at that. They gave you three hours of support that I would have had to bill for. So if that would have been a full five-hour job for me, I know I not I would not have billed for that, and it probably would have been like probably four. I bet you it would have been four hours. Anyway, that's I'm glad it's over, but I had you know one like that, then I had another guy, and I think I had um, one more guy I'm working with right now still. Another Gmail job. I'm like, oh, I'm just... <laughs> At least I tell people when they call, it's going to be one to four hours. That's the expectations with the Gmail jobs now I have. And uh, let's see. Um, I wrote in my notes. Oh, I did take a lady last Friday on a Gmail job. That was really quick. And she told me when she called in, she goes, Lisa, I've spent all afternoon. I had a tech work on it yesterday. And that, to me, I know I've got people. When they've already had another tech look at it and they've spent hours on it themselves, that's when they call in the, the reserves, me, and I know I can help. 
I had her, it was last Friday I took it, my very last job. I think I had her fixed in 36 minutes. And I told her, leave your Outlook open, leave the Gmail open, leave everything open. On Saturday, she emailed me. She said, still wasn't done syncing. I said, that's okay, just leave it open, it will. Sunday, she emailed me and she goes, everything's perfect, oh my God. And I was like, that's what you get for calling somebody who knows what they're doing. So there you go, lady. Haven't heard from her since, and usually I hear back from people within a few days, so I'm very happy. But um, I tell you guys, Gmail, when those clients call in, you better know that Gmail now. Look, it's sticky stuff there. But I was really happy I could fix that for her because, man, I know people get frustrated. You know, they're very, they're very, very, ex they're exhausted with it by that point. By the time they call me. All right, I'm going to go see what other jobs I got here. I think we covered most of them. I got a couple other things I want to say, though. Um, Microsoft, interestingly, oh, the, I've noticed a couple things this week. The new admin control panel is being launched. I So far, <laughs> I haven't had a chance to dig in there too much. But I am noticing that sometimes when you set up a new account, a new mailbox, it is saying that it might require 24 hours. And I'm like, What? No, 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 not with how fast I roll. You cannot be giving me 24 hours here, people. But it does usually hook up right away, but it does give you that warning now, and it used to not. That's probably a new feature of their control panel. <laughs> the new control panel looks like every other new control panel out there, all flippy, flappy, metro, appy, and all that, and I hate it. But PayPal, by the way, just switched to that too, and I'm just oh, I'm so frustrated with all this new... Just can't you just leave it alone? It worked. Then they go and change it all on me. Oh, also I found that the 2013 downgrade is finally available on the Microsoft Office 365 store account. So if you go, you don't have to talk to Microsoft anymore. You can just go and purchase it. And then in the install and language options is the 2013 download. So I'm still not a fan of 16, folks. Still not fanning it at all. So just go by the down or go get the downgrade right away. You don't have to worry about talking to them. I'm so glad they did that now. This is so annoying. <laughs> All right. And I think I also am now on Google Play. I heard that they launched a podcasting something. So I went and set up my feed burner here. So if you go to Google Play and go look for my show, uh, Call That Girl's Office 365 show, I should be in the catcher there. Yeah, I think so. All right, I think that's it this week, folks. Uh, a lot I covered a lot. Lots of little stuff, but I think I got it all in. Ding, 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 and ding. All done. All right, so just a reminder, if you guys got any questions, you want me to talk about anything, please send me some email. I'd love to hear back from you guys. Tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what you need to learn or... What I'm not doing right, whatever. Anything you want to tell me, Lisa, call that girl dot biz. All right, I'm going to close the show. This has been a Heyman Hendrickson production, audio supported by Mitch Heyman. Thank you to our sponsor, App River and Podbean for hosting. If you have a story you'd like to share or want to be a guest, make sure you contact me, Lisa, call that girl dot biz. You, you can also check out the shows at call that girl dot biz slash office 365. Uh, the Facebook links will be in the show. And um, my ebooks are at callthatgirl.biz slash publications. 
And you can find all me on social media, Twitter, all that. Just search for Call That Girl on Google. I'm out there. That's it, folks. Take care and talk to you next week.